Gamecock fans, welcome home. See how it goes, uh, but we'll be ready to go. It's time to root. Let's go, Carolina. It's gone. Touchdown. What a hit. He makes it in. Can you believe it? The have won this game. You are your hosts, J.C. Sherbert. watch him celebrate now. Phil Molinax. My wife doesn't like hanging around losers. And Jamie Bradford. I'm telling you, you look like you've joined Doug Dynasty. Greetings and good morning. Welcome aboard and welcome home. Inside the Gamecocks, the show live from the Cinerama Studios and built by Barndo Co., the barndominiumco.com, where you can build your dream home for as low as $160 per square foot if you live in the Carolinas, in Georgia, or in Tennessee, the barndominiumco.com, some of the most unique plans for a new house you could ever possibly believe signorama of course is the preferred sign partner of gamecock ethics their work is all over campus in columbia if you've been to founders park williams bryce or colonial life arena or stone stadium or anywhere pretty much everything you see comes from signorama in west columbia and uh, we certainly are very happy to partner with those guys so anytime you need something a vehicle wrap something for your business something for your home something for i don't know a graduation party, whatever it may be. Matt Vaughn's team is spectacular. It's Sinorama. We use them. We hope you'll use them as well. We will use John Whittle in about 15 minutes with TheBigSpur.com as we preview the SEC tournament for Gamecock Baseball. They are the sixth seed. They've got the dogs of Georgia tomorrow at 10.30 a.m. Eastern. That's 9.30 Central Time. Quick programming note for all of you crazies about our program inside the Gamecocks, the show, uh, we will be on the air at our le- regular time tomorrow. It'll kind of be a uh, round table of discussion, if you will, as in like a live look in. We'll all have the game on and uh, we'll be able to kind of fuss and discuss uh, what we're watching and seeing and things like that. If any of you uh, appreciate you know, my baseball insight, then you're welcome to join. If you appreciate JC's and his allotment of runs, certainly you're welcome to join there. And and if you appreciate uh, Classic Phil and, and, and his jabs at JC and me, then we hope you'll join us and listen to Classic Phil. Uh, so it, no changes tomorrow. We thought about getting on the air a little bit sooner, but we're going to go ahead and go uh, while the game is on. So we'll be watching and talking to all of you. So hopefully you can have us on a – computer screen while the game is on tv or or however you want to do that uh, speaking of phil and jc and jv we're here until one o'clock this afternoon uh we will make our way through baseball we've got some football we've got some golf and so on and so forth and of course 
Uh, we'll answer any and all questions that we can in the Nana Sports chat box. And uh, so go ahead and and uh, and keep them coming. And guys, I'll obviously teeing this up to let y'all take over here, but I do have uh, a total breakdown of the history of Gamecock baseball in Hoover. We all knew it was bad, but <laughs> it might be a little worse than some of you think, unfortunately, uh, when you really take a look at the numbers. And uh, so I'll give you all of that stuff here in just a little bit. So we'll see if they can get it going and if they can get a couple of wins and what that will mean and all that type of stuff. JC, Phil, what's up? Good morning. Yeah, it was a bad weekend on the diamond. Well, it's a tough weekend. It was, was, you know, because you got some hope there in game two when the Gamecocks, what were they, had six straight singles and, uh, powered out to that 6-1 lead and won that game and then just kind of a collapse, you know, there at mm-hmm. the end. Uh, 12-1 was not close. It uh, it continues to trend in the wrong direction, but you have uh, a new life in the uh, in the postseason. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. It's, um, it's hard to call this a collapse right now because we don't know what's going to happen in the postseason, And if you have a nice run, you know, people forget about that. But if you don't, I mean, I don't know, you know, I think it calls in, I think there are a lot of questions that will have to be answered if, if this continues, but uh, it's just, uh, you know, Georgia, Georgia's been up and down, you know, Carolina handled them pretty easily uh, in that series in the opening series of, of for the sec. But uh Man, it um, <laughs> it's it's been a long time since then, and uh, they got a really good freshman, Charlie Condon, uh, same name as uh, what was he, Attorney General of the state of South Carolina, Charlie Condon yeah, at one so. point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of I interesting. Went to, I went to school another, with his kids. Yeah, another Charlie running, Charlie Condon running around there, but uh, you know he he's actually got the for the freshman home run record. Uh, Georgia has beaten some really good teams. They took the series with Tennessee. They beat LSU uh, in the game three the other day uh, there, they could be a problem and it's single elimination. If you beat Georgia, uh, I believe uh, if you look at the bracket, I think uh, it goes to double elimination. So yep. you got two more games, at least um, LSU and Whittle will probably talk more about this. I can't imagine them throwing their ace on Wednesday, no, it won't. Uh, they won't. I, it won't no. happen. And then, no. you know, LSU is not a very deep pitching team. They can hit pretty well. Um, James Hicks, of course, like you mentioned, is getting the start for the Gamecocks uh, tomorrow. And so it goes double elimination. And, you know, then if you, once you get to the semis, it goes back to single. But, um, yeah, man, the SEC tournament's been brutal uh, for the Gamecocks through the years. <laughs> and it's tough to, and, and sometimes it doesn't matter. You know, sometimes it's like, well, it really doesn't matter because um, you have a regional host, super stop eight seats locked up or whatever. Um, I do remember in 04, the one time they won it, I think they were on the verge of getting bounced or, or losing the first game or uh, something. And Steven Tollison hit a home run and mm. they came back and beat Ole Miss. And then they went through the bracket and won the thing in 04, <laughs> beat Vanderbilt on, in the finals. So, you know, it, it happened 20 years ago. So, you know, if you can if you can get through there, you can lock up a host seed. 
uh, I mean, a host site. I, I think I think the what the magic number probably to feel super comfortable, um, just because of the number of teams with similar resumes. You know, so how do you differentiate? Well, you'll probably go to how they finished or series record or whatever. Um, and uh, I think getting to forty wins uh, that yeah. would make yeah. winning two would probably. That'll do it. You know, make everybody feel pretty comfortable. So, so we'll see what happens. I mean, it, it's it, it's it's never a good thing. I think when you're hoping hoping for Hoover to use some <laughs> alliteration there, uh, but uh, it is what it is, and you got to go go get it. So, yeah, my thing is, I mean, history at Hoover aside, this baseball team has not won games on back to back nights in an entire month. Mm-hmm. The 422 was the last time, and that was the final game of the sweep against Florida. This team has not won two games in a row on back-to-back days. Oh, yeah, on back-to-back days. They they have won two in a row uh, yeah, yeah. since then, but uh, only once. That was Auburn and, and Winthrop um, in, in back-to-back games, the final game of the Auburn series and that Winthrop game uh, in the in the midweek. Yeah, so – I'm with you, I'm with you, JC. I, I I don't think you'll be able to turn an SEC down as a host site if they're at 40 wins, um, and Carolina is going to obviously have to win a couple of games in the tournament to do that. Here's here's the 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 history, and it obviously clearly is is totally against them. They've lost five straight in Hoover. The all time record is 29 and 51, and as bad as that is, here's where it's worse. Um, First of all, last year they did lose uh, by one run, two to one versus the Gators in ten innings. Uh, they have been one and done in the last three tournaments, nineteen twenty one and twenty twenty two. They have not won multiple SEC tournament games since Coach Holbrook's final season uh, when they went three and two uh, over there in Hoover. They are just six and twenty since two thousand and ten uh, in. Hoover. Three of those wins, of course, came in 2017, which tells you since 2010, they are three and 18 in Hoover, Alabama. Uh, 14 of the 29 years that they have played in this tournament, they haven't won a game. That includes Mark Kingston, Chad Holbrook, Ray Tanner, June Rank. All right. It ain't good. 26 straight years of making the tournament, though, for South Carolina. That is the longest streak in the SEC if you want to find some silver lining. But from 1992 to 1999, they were just three and 13. The 2000 to 2004 teams, which, as we know, those were pretty good ball clubs. They went 14 and eight, and since then, just 12 and 30 overall in Hoover, 2005 until last year. They have faced uh, Georgia four times in Hoover. They are one and three all time, and they last faced the Dogs in the SEC tourney in 2011 when Georgia beat them four to two. Of course, that didn't matter. South Carolina won the national championship. Another piece of, I, I would, as it stands today, it seems to be like good news. I mean, you just don't ever know till you play the game. Jaden Woods will start for Georgia, and you might be wondering, well, why is that good? Well, he hadn't pitched since April 14th. He's been out with what you, what you call dead arm, and then that kind of rolled itself over into shoulder tendinitis. Uh, and so he's he's he hadn't pitched, and you're, you're going on, you're over five weeks. So his first action, and who knows how long they'll let him go. He's going to get the start. How long are they going to let him pitch? Who knows? I mean, you know, when you haven't pitched in five weeks in a game, generally they're going to be pretty careful with you. South Carolina, of course, did face him earlier this year. They have had success against Jaden Woods in his career. 
Uh, but the only time he's ever started to get against the Gamecocks was back in March. He did go seven innings, seven hits, three earned, one walk and 11 strikeouts. That was right when he was kind of kicking it into gear as their Friday night guy. And, of course, Carolina came back and won the game uh, over there in Athens. So, uh, he'll, but he'll get the start tomorrow. James Hicks will get the ball for South Carolina, and they're going to hope that he's just, you know, dealing some sort of masterpiece. And if not, they'll roll it over to Kate Austin, and uh, we'll see what happens from there. Old Jan says he'll look like Nolan Ryan tomorrow. <laughs> <It's the Gamecocks. laughs> oh, Jan, you can always count on Jan, man. He's a that, for those, those of you that don't know Jan. Jan is a, a huge Carolina baseball fan. He and Kevin are also in the chat box. They care more than than your average Gamecock fan about baseball. And he, he builds a hell of a beer tree too when he's tailgating. Uh, but. Uh, He's passionate, you know, and so he's always good for a one-liner or two. He'll look like Nolan Ryan against us tomorrow. So. <laughs> yeah, um, good. So I certainly good. It's a, yeah. yeah. So number two seed going to Coastal or Clemson. Very possible. I, look, man, they go – They get. I'm, I'm going to tell you this right now. And people – I hear the grumblings. I'm not going to sit there and talk about a coaching change or anything like that before the team plays in postseason. I mean – it looks a lot worse <laughs> if you go to a regional after after the start yet, go on the road to a regional and get bounced by an in-state team. Yeah, it, that would be a, that'd be tough to climb. That, that's, that, that'd be, that's that'd tough be, to that. That'd be that tough, would you yeah. you want to talk about? You know, they used to have a commercial bitter beer face when you they, you drink a bitter beer and you, your face would get all so that would be a bitter pill. Everybody would have bitter beer face about that. I mean, that yeah. would be, you know, especially well, it if it's Clemson, Clemson because the Clemson had to put the Gamecocks out of the NCAA tournament since the early 80s. It's almost 50 years. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Carolina hasn't lost a game in the tough. postseason to Clemson since then. So, I mean, and, and a lot of times when coaches get in trouble and when fans turn against you, what you do is you start losing things. I mean, Will Muschamp, two straight opening losses. You know, Carolina had lost exactly one season opener since the second year of Lou Holtz, okay? And that was that A&M debacle. Uh, but that was it, you know. And Muschamp starts losing that, starts losing teams from North Carolina. Gamecocks weren't really – you see, uh, even even the most modest accomplishments and, – and, you know, beating, owning Clemson in the postseason is far from a modest accomplishment for this team because they, they knocked the best – one of the best teams – probably the best team Clemson's ever had out. Mm-hmm. You know, that team was ticketed for the national them. championship. Shredded, Shredded them. them. Yeah. Uh, by eight runs, sixteen runs. Okay, but you start losing that. You know that 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 can get that. Even though that was a long time ago, twenty one years ago, you know it's something that you lose. You know, and, and ten years ago when the Gamecocks put them out, 11, 12, 13 years ago when they put them out in Omaha, uh, then the, the regional when they put them out in Columbia, you start losing things like that. You know, all of a sudden, ugh, you know that that that's what kind of that can really get a coach in trouble. Uh, I think and. Uh, if you're sort of looking at what needs to be avoided, <laughs> if you're if you're Mark Kingston, uh, as far as us, and I'm not saying that if they go to the Wake Regional or whatever and get bounced, that it's not, you know, that everything's hunky dory. I'm just saying that you know the nightmare scenario here is you get sent to Conway, Myrtle Beach, or you get sent to Clemson and you get bounced. I mean, and what a what a bitterly disappointing end uh, on top of everything else, you know, to the season that would be. But uh, hopefully, because I spoke that into existence, it doesn't happen. <laughs> because a lot of times when I say things, 
the opposite happens. So hopefully the opposite happens there. Yeah, it's uh, they've yeah they uh, look anything can happen in the postseason. You know, last year this team is better than that Ole Miss team last year. Ole Miss was the last team to get into the tournament. They won the national championship. So, you know, they're obviously playing to try to get hot at the right time. And and mm-hmm. and and that's that that's where it is. I mean, it's it's a little um you know, it's it, it it makes you feel a little bit uneasy when when you get asked about this tournament and you you hear the staff say, "Well, look, we're trying to thread the needle here. We're certainly going to try to win games, but we're really focused on the postseason because the fan side of thing is like, hey, look, man, like we were maybe the best team in college baseball towards the end of April. And now we're talking about, I mean, we're in the postseason, but now we're talking about going on the road. Like, be nice to have a regional at home that you earned for the first time since, you know, 2016. Uh, I know they hosted yeah. in 2021, but that was kind of by default the way that yeah. it fell with COVID. So, um, you know, it's, it, it's yeah, I, I, I see all, every angle here. And certainly can't blame the coaching staff at all for trying to get them positioned right for once they get into a regional. But with all of that said, it sure as heck is going to be a lot easier to be able to play a regional at home than having to go on the road. Um, you know, I, I saw in the chat box a little bit ago that, you know, you know, people – I don't even know if Coach King believes what he's saying about we should be a lock. You know, people kind of fussing and discussing his comments. Rightfully so, I understand that. You know – Here's the thing, though. We, we all understand Coach Speak. Like, the last thing he wants to get up there and not defend his team wholeheartedly, regardless of what has happened over the last couple of weeks. Um, so, you know, he's he's got a job to do. His job is to vouch for his club publicly, fight tooth and nail, and make sure that they understand that he's vouching for them. That That's his job. And and he's going to do that regardless of whether fans like it or not, whether I like it, you like it, anybody else likes it. So I get what he's doing. Uh, makes sense. Don't blame him. You know that will play zero into the committee and and what they will be trying to do. Uh, they are still absolutely in the conversation to host, but I'm with you, JC. And I think even today, I don't think they would get one personally right now at 38 and 17, but just of, based on how they finished. But there are so many SEC teams that are in this conversation now. I'm with you. I think that they win a couple of games in the tournament. As far-fetched as that seems, with all the stats I just rolled out in their history in Hoover, um, it, it, I just don't see how you can turn an SEC with, team with 40 wins down. And by the way, in order to win two over there, uh, you're, you well, you don't have to beat LSU, but it sure would be nice if you had a win over LSU amongst mm-hmm. those couple. Uh, because you yeah, basically would have taken the season series against LSU. Absolutely. Yeah, it makes it two to one. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, so we have to hit a timeout. John Whittle is on the way to Hoover, as a matter of fact. So we'll get him by phone in car somewhere on I-20. God bless him for making that ride. Hang tight. Inside the Gamecocks, the show. It is powered by Electric Bikes of Charleston, electricbikescharleston.com. We'll be right back. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it, let them find it. 
These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope's State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. The real estate market has changed dramatically from just a year ago. Rates, supply, demand, All of your traditional factors are in a transition phase. That's why if you or someone you know are considering making a move in the low country, contact me, JB, at Coast to Coast Realty. I work with an outstanding support cast of attorneys, lenders, inspectors, insurance agents, and more, all of whom are valuable in helping find a way for you to comfortably make your real estate decision. That's right. Call me, JB, your low country real estate broadcaster. Building your dream home is often just that, a dream and sometimes a nightmare. But at the Barndo Company, they commit to quality and build without sacrifice. Customization, open floor plans, limitless flooring options, maintenance-free and easy insulation perks, and affordability are just a few reasons why they've been named one of the best builders in the U.S. Believe in your dreams. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock owned. Gamecock operated. Traveling to cheer on the Gamecocks? Reserve your hotel stay with Fan Plans. Your booking supports inside the Gamecocks and the Big Spur, plus you still earn your hotel loyalty points. Visit fanplans.com slash inside the Gamecocks. What's up, Gamecock Nation? This is Jakar Moore from the DMV, and you are listening to the show. Welcome back, everybody, to Inside the Gamecocks, the show presented to you in the first hour by Cindy Searfoss and the Colwell Banker Kane Realty Team here in the upstate. Give Cindy a call, 864-414-5271 for all your upstate residential real estate needs. And, of course, we are joined, as we always are on Mondays, even though he's on the road, <laughs> on the McKellar Enterprises guest line by none other than the guy who almost nailed the preseason win, I mean, uh, Overall uh, record, even though he did nail the wins, I'm sure you can't cancel uh, account for the canceled game. God almighty, guys, I can't freaking speak today from, from Monday. Look at this. Foibles, mess up. But morning, John Whittle. How are you? <laughs> well, I'd be doing a lot better if I had a little picture or something up there in the, in the top right I'm corner working on that it. screen. I know. Oh, my God. Phil, Everybody's a freaking man. critic. How's that? <laughs> there we go. There we go. I, I look a lot better now. I look better than usual. <laughs> yeah, the little the little mouth that moves at the bottom of that circle is actually pretty funny. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like Night Rider. It's like hello, yeah, Michael. That's right. Oh Michael, man, I'm picking up some very disturbing thoughts. Yeah. John, it's <laughs> um, 
here we go, man. You know, it's uh, we, we all know what the SEC tournament has not been for South Carolina, which is successful. They are just 12 and 30 in Hoover since 2005, and of course, all time are 29 and 51. Uh, five straight over there. They have not won multiple games in this tournament since 2017. I'm going to ask you the one question right off the top that everybody really, really wants to know if we can get it answered. If South, Where is South Carolina in the hosting conversation now? And if they win a couple of games over there and get lucky for the first time, you know, pretty much ever, and get to 40 wins, does that lock in a host for the Gamecocks? Yeah, right, right now I, I think they're on the outside looking in, and I, I think the projections will, will bear that out, you know, as, as, they, as they roll out. You know, Mark Etheridge tweeted the other day that, that uh, the SEC since 2012 has had two teams have 16 wins and a 16 RPI or better and not be a host site. And South Carolina has both of those things. But so do three other teams, Alabama and Kentucky and Tennessee. They all, they all have that same mark. And, and to me, in my estimation, uh, it seems like South, or the, the SEC will get two hosts out of those four teams. I think five are, are pretty wrapped up. I think seven is probably what you're going to see from the SEC host standpoint. I, I guess I can't rule out eight just because this has been kind of a, a funny year in college baseball. There are very few teams out west that that have uh, you know a, a, a host resume that that is adequate. So maybe the SEC gets eight, but I don't think that's something the, the NCAA is going to want to do. So I, I think it'll be seven. I think South Carolina's two or uh, uh, one of four teams uh, vying for those two spots. And right now, with the way South Carolina's played, I think I think they're on the outside looking in. So. Uh, they, they do have a few advantages, but they need to go go out on the road and, and win a couple of games in Hoover, in my estimation, to, to feel reasonably good about, about uh, you know, their, their host site chances, which are announced on, on Sunday night. Yeah, I think that this is uh, one of the more unique SEC tournaments we've, we've had in a while, John, because um, how often, you know, not recently, Carolina – really has just glossed over this thing. It, it has, at the end of the day, really meant nothing uh, to them because of the situation that they were already in going into it, and there really wasn't a lot that was going to change with any type of success. But now, as you just pointed out, there's four teams, five teams, who are going to be in the postseason, but but in 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 what direction are they going in the postseason is what is – what could be changed via this tournament, whether they're hosting or whether they're on the road or whether they're a, a top eight national seed or not. I think those seem to be solidified to this point. But they're all kind of playing for the same thing over there, John. So, um, you know, I, I, I don't I don't know what to make right now of, of the Gamecocks. They're going to see Jaden Woods tomorrow. He hadn't pitched in over a month. I don't know if that's good. I don't know if that's bad. This ballpark doesn't really play well to South Carolina's offense. Um, have you picked up anything as to where they are mentally after another series loss this weekend? I'll be honest with you, Jamie. I, I think they're fine mentally. Uh, I mean, I do think it's it's worn on them a little bit, and there's still 
and they're they're a little bit frustrated by the losses, but uh, I mean they're not. It's not a bad locker room. Uh, they're they're not they're not turning on each other. Uh, there's there, there's no talk about that. Uh, you know this the vast majority of this team is very very engaged. Still believes in themselves. Still knows that the uh, the group that was number three in the country is is still still right there. Still still in that clubhouse. Um, I mean, I, I'm not. I don't want to give off the uh, interpretation that they're they're content with where they are, uh, but they're 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 not a, a, a group that's that's panicky and, and trying to trying to. Uh, and, and they're they're not a group that's turned on each other. I, I still feel like like team dynamic is good based on based on the conversations I've I've had with people over there in the building. Okay. James Hicks is going to get the ball tomorrow, uh, John. Are we? What are we expecting here? I mean, I, I I hear James Hicks and then going right to Cade Austin. I mean, isn't it? Isn't it? Aren't they kind of hoping that James Hicks can give them more than just a few innings? I mean, are they planning to move uh, to use Austin early in the ball game, or are they? What's the deal here? Yeah, I mean they'll they'll go with Hicks as long as they can. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I I think that they, I, I I think they can probably get seventy five pitches out of Hicks in, right in that range. I, I guess he pitched on on Saturday, if my memory serves me right, uh, yeah. against against Tennessee, and you know he, he threw a few pitches, but he didn't throw didn't throw a lot. Um, you know he's 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 thrown a significant amount of innings and significant amount of pitches over the course of the season. Um, I, I think he can give you 75 if, if he's going good. I mean, I don't, I don't see a hundred out of him at all. But I, I feel like if he's going well and you know has that uh, sinker working and getting some ground balls, I, I think he can go for a little bit. How, how does this ballpark set up for a guy like James Six? I mean, he hasn't been early season or even mid season form James Hicks lately. Uh, we all know that Hoover plays pretty big. Although last year, a couple, a few balls left the yard. But how does it set up for a guy like him who's kind of trying to find it and hadn't, quite frankly, really hadn't missed a lot of bats lately? No, he hasn't missed a lot of bats. He's found a lot of barrels for sure. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I think it's more about the, uh, the, the, Georgia, the Georgia offense uh, in, in terms of the matchup versus the, the ballpark. You know, Georgia's a team that, that likes to try to get the ball in the air and, and, and drive gaps and hit home runs and, and of course, everybody likes doing that. But Georgia is more of a more of a power team, or tries to be at least. And they've got some real power guys, and and Tate and Condon and, and so forth. So, you know, the the hope is that he's got the the sinker working and can get those guys hitting hitting ground balls and, instead of line drives. And um, you know, so I, I I think it's more of a matchup deal with with uh, with with Hicks. You know, if if uh, you know fly ball pitchers are usually okay. Uh, in Hoover, because not a whole lot of balls leave the yard, uh, but but Hicks, being a ground ball guy, is 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 good against the Georgia offense. Yeah, for for what it's worth, uh, in those wondering, James Hicks did have two appearances against the dog er, dogs earlier in Athens, one and a third. He did not give up a hit uh, in the in that series. As for the Carolina offense, John, I mean, obviously, game one was was rough. I, and and game two was rough until they finally broke through in the sixth. And 
You know, I was sitting there thinking to myself, I like how this looks because they finally strung together a bunch of quality ABs and and they're hitting the ball hard on the ground and in the gaps and and it just felt like a club that was starting to feed off of each other for the first time in a while offensively and you thought, okay, all right, you get, you got to win. You're, you're going to go into into game three here and and you know maybe you can continue a little bit of that you know obviously it's good when Carolina leaves the yard once or twice a game but it was really neat to see them string together some hits and then they were once again just brutal in game three against uh, Drew Beam and that Tennessee staff so you know the offense the the lineup was the same in all three games I don't know if that's the lineup they're going to stick with in the tournament or not John but I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the answer is right now offensively. I mean, they they've had one good inning in a while. That's it, and and, and it just looks like from a confidence standpoint, from one to nine, there ain't much of it there. I mean, that's it's hard to argue with anything you said. Uh, I mean, I I go back a little bit to uh, to, to matchups like we talked about with with Hicks being probably a good matchup for Georgia. You know. Tennessee was a bad matchup for the way South Carolina likes to, to, to play offensively. You know, when you think of South Carolina and, and what their identity offensively is, what is it? It's grinding out of the bats. It's, it's working pitch counts and trying to get those up. It's taking walks, taking your, your hit-by-pitches and, and so forth, and, and, and getting a couple of well-timed home runs mixed in there, too. I mean, that's South Carolina's offense, right? Well, what does Tennessee do well? They throw strikes. They don't walk people. They don't hit people. They they overpower you. They strike you out. South Carolina is a, a team that obviously strikes out a ton, um, and it was it was a bad matchup for those guys. And you know, I that of course you can go back to Arkansas, and you know there were a lot of the same results against Arkansas. But um, you know, South Carolina is not going to be facing Tennessee tomorrow. They're not going to be facing Arkansas tomorrow. Uh, the LSU staff is a little bit easier than South Carolina staff minus Paul Skeens, or excuse me, minus Tennessee staff minus the Paul Skeens. Um, Georgia staff is a little bit easier to manage. Those guys play into South Carolina's strengths a little bit more. You know, I think last week was a, a really bad matchup. They they got the really the only guy they got to all all weekend was Chase Burns. And what what did Chase Burns do? Chase Burns walked a couple of guys. He got behind in counts, and you know that's. That's a key to keeping South Carolina's offense quiet. And, you know, when they're not able to work pitch counts, when they're not able to get deep in the bullpens, when they're, you know, not able to get walks, you know, they, they struggle. And that's a big part of the reason why South Carolina struggled against Tennessee and really Arkansas, too, because Arkansas is very, very similar in, in that same way. John, we're at the point of the season, of course, is not over. Carolina is very talented, and they are talented enough, as we all know, to make a run in the postseason and make somebody's life a little bit uncomfortable. But now that the regular season itself is over, it, it is really, really, really hard to look at the at the statistics amongst all the programs in this league and see one team with 548 strikeouts. And that is the Gamecocks. They struck out 548 times this year. Nobody else was over 500. I think the closest was Tennessee, as a matter of fact, with 492. I don't, I don't 
That's insane. And 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 they also had a fairly lethal offense for the large majority of the year with all those strikeouts. But, John, when it ain't clicking and you're striking out that much and when you do make contact, it's not putting any pressure on the defense. It's not hard to figure out why they're not scoring a lot of runs. Yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. And, uh, <laughs> to make it seem even worse, South Carolina played one fewer game than most teams. So yeah. add another 10 strikeouts on there, and that number, that number gets even worse. But, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's been what the South Carolina offense has, has been this year. Um, you know, when, when you go deep in counts, you're going to strike out. And they've got, they've got swing and miss guys. And, you know, we talked about that a little bit on the big spur at the start of the year. Like, I mean, I, I thought Gavin Costas might, might challenge the, the single season strikeout record, to be honest with you. And, you know, he's, he's out of, out of those woods at this point, I, I think. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of guys who, who strike out, you know, when you, when you take a lot of, uh, when, when you, when you do a lot of taking and not a lot of battling. Then you know that's that, that's kind of what happens, and you know the, this team doesn't really have a uh, a two strike approach that's real different than from from uh, you know what it is the rest of the count, and yep. you know that's maybe that's something that needs to be evaluated this off season, but that's not a trait of this team. You don't you don't see guys choking up on the bat and and, and going the other way with with something with two strikes. You don't see them battling off pitches just because they're close. If they think the, the pitch is a ball outside, then, then they're going to take it. I mean, most, most coaches will tell you, you, you want to try to foul that pitch away and get something better. You know, South Carolina is going to say the strike zone is the strike zone, and if it's not in the strike zone, then I'm not going to swing. And umpires have been calling them out, and sometimes the strike zone that they think it is isn't actually the strike zone. So, no, it's it's. Uh, I, I think that's something that probably needs to be uh, evaluated a little bit this off season, and and maybe some some uh, tweaks made. Obviously, for a long time, the strikeouts didn't didn't really mean too much. But you know, when when things have uh, gotten gotten much poorer here lately, it's it's obviously a big deal. But you know, it, it, another trait of South Carolina's offense they they don't have a whole lot of deer. Amani. I, Mommy talks about buffalo and deer, and knowing what kind of kind of guy you are at the at the plate. You got your power hitters, and you got your speed guys. South Carolina doesn't have a lot of deer. Uh, there's only there's only a few guys who can who can put the ball in play and beat something out and put pressure on the defense. So, uh, you know, is, is Ethan Petrie hitting a, a weak ground ball to second base? Um, you know, a good thing, or would you rather him try to keep? The, Keep trying to do damage on a two-strike fastball or, or breaking pitch or something. I, I don't know what the best answer to that question is. I think I do. So, you know, that's part of the reason why there's so many strikeouts. But it's certainly been a big deal this year. Buffalo and deer. I like it. Yeah, that's mine. Buffalo. Thing, yeah. <laughs> I think it's that's buffalo. It's, it's some animal like that. I, I know it's deer. I know deer is one of. But I think it's Buffalo. I don't know. I'll have to go back and see. Man, I'm going to get Ted's Montana Grill for lunch since you mentioned the the bison burgers. I may roll that today. Mm. I want want a bison burger with cheddar. 
Well, and, and I'll tell you, and I'll tell you what, too, John. I mean, it, it does seem to me like you know, let's say this wasn't the SEC tournament this week; it was the NCAA regionals. I, I, I'm just really finding it hard to, to figure now that Jack Mahoney's probably not your game one guy. I mean, John, we all you got to win game one in a regional. You you have to win game one in a regional, um, and it seems like that's probably going to end up being where he fits in. I I, I look at this bullpen now and and john i i just um uh, i don't think it's that good um you know i mean I, that seems so strange to say because as we started the season halfway through the year three quarters through the year whatever you felt like well that's the strength of their team i i don't i don't i don't know that their bullpen's very good john um i've just I, i'm not sure that it's been I'm not a big question the coach guy, at least publicly. I don't know that it's been managed well in game. Um, but at the same time, I, I don't look at these guys and think that the next guy that runs out of that bullpen is just going to shove it where the sh- sun don't shine. W- what is your make of what you've – or what do you make of what you've seen out of this pen the last month or so? Well, I, so, several things. First of all, I, I think from a pitching staff standpoint, if you look back at last year, I feel like they got a lot. Of, I, I think they got all the all the blood out of that turn of last year. I, I thought the staff got everything they could out of – the coaching staff got everything they could out of that pitching staff. This year, I feel like there's been some meat left on the bone. Uh, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't feel like that – They've gotten everything they can out of these guys, whether it's guys taking a step back, whether it's guys not necessarily being in the right roles or being in a spot where they can be the most productive. There's there's been a lot that's been left there, in my opinion. So I, I'm going to agree with you that that things haven't been been uh, you know as good as they could be from a pitching standpoint. Now that being said, you know I was looking the other day. You know South Carolina's twenty. Nine, either 29 or 28-1 and one in games that they've led after six innings. So yep. that tells me the bullpen's done a pretty good job. They haven't blown leads late in games. There was there was the one against LSU that, you know, they, they lost on, on giving up some runs. I think it was the eighth inning. Maybe it was the ninth, eighth or ninth inning. So, you know, they, there's there's been one blown game, but the bullpen is – has done its job for the most part. Whether they have the the guy who can come in and be Matt Price, and you know he might walk two, but he's going to strike out the other three, or he might walk two, but if he's going two innings, he might strike strike out five five out of six. But I, I don't know that they have that guy. But they've done a good job of getting the outs at the end. And, you know, obviously they haven't been as good here in the last month. Nobody's been good in the last last month. I mean, the pitching staff hasn't been good. Uh, particularly, uh, but they have also kept South Carolina in position to win five of these six SEC games. I mean, the the last one against Tennessee obviously stunk uh, for for various reasons, but the other five they were right in the thick of it. Fourth, they didn't give up more than five runs, and you know Matthew Becker didn't give up. Um, I mean, only one of the four runs he gave up on on Saturday in Game Three was earned. So, you know, they they haven't been as good, but they they've been all right. And it was Auburn, it was Kentucky that were 
that were really bad. But to me, the pitching staff's done okay. And, you know, from a I, – I, I think last year you saw that the pitching staff being so shorthanded really affected them in the midweeks, right? Like South Carolina couldn't win a midweek game. This year the pitching staff has been good for the most part. They've won their midweek games, and, and most of them in very fine fashion. You know, what's happened these last couple of weeks, you take five or six innings out of Will Sanders and put that on the bench, and you take the three or four out of Eli Jerzenbeck and you put that on the bench, and, you know, those guys have to be made up for on the weekend. And, you know, now you've got guys pitching against North Florida and against Charlotte who you haven't seen since February or haven't seen since March. And what happens? You lose those midweek games. So, yeah, the, the staff isn't performing great right now. Uh, I don't I don't worry about them too much. Uh, you you kind of get the reset before before regionals, especially depending on how deep you go into to this tournament this week. You get some guys from rest. You probably get Will Sanders back. And you know I'm not saying that he's pitched great this year, but if you can get five or six decent innings out of him, that's five or six innings that you don't have to get from somebody else who. Who may not be able to give you decent ones. So, I, I think the pitching staff is still still going to be fine, still going to be good, uh, but they certainly haven't haven't uh, you know been as lights out, especially the last month as, as we thought they'd be. And you know, as they were coming out of Florida when they when they uh, were leading the nation in ERA. Any thoughts on if they win the game tomorrow, who they'll throw in game two? <laughs> that's that's a really good question that I don't have the answer to. I was actually, oh come on, man! I was thinking about that earlier. It's like it's like when when that game got moved back to Thursday, uh, and you, you use Eli Jones Thursday and throw him. Uh, I, I don't know right off the top of my head. I think it was about eighty-five pitches. That's not mm-hmm. a small number. Do you, do you are you going to move him up two days? I mean, I, I think you probably do. And, and hope you can get another 80 pitches out of him, and, and hope he's okay. But you know he hasn't been, he hasn't really been stretched out, you know, to that degree until until these last couple of weeks. He threw a career high against Arkansas, which was 92, 94, or something like that, in, in pitch count. And then he, he threw threw in the mid 80s last week. And then he, to ask him to bump up two days is is a little bit of a challenge, but I, I think that's what you've got to do. So, um, you know, no no Will Sanders this week. Uh, I don't know if y'all passed that along yet or not. King's been confirmed that uh, earlier today before they got on the bus. Uh, King also confirmed that Noah Hall is out for the year. Um, so, you know, it's not that anybody was counting on him coming back anytime soon, but there was some, some thought Sanders might be ready to go at some point this week. But, you know, I... I think it'll depend a little bit on on uh, who's used to tomorrow, but I, I think I think you probably got to ask Eli Jones to bump it up a couple of couple of days and, and you know see how he does. Yeah, I, well, I mean, if he does, if he if he tomorrow's too, if he pitches Wednesday, John, they're they're not going to throw him again in the tournament, so he'll have nine days before he's going to get the ball again if not more than that in a regional because i i I, i'm of the like let's say best case scenario here let's you know let's play this thing out best thing that could possibly happen to the gamecocks they they beat georgia 
Eli pitches and beats LSU, and they're all of a sudden they're two and zero, and they're in the winners bracket. Well, you know, if you're moving Mahoney up, maybe a spot too. Both of those guys, while they're being moved up, it is also going to lengthen the amount of time between their next start in the regionals next weekend. So they'll still have plenty of rest. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree with you. That's that's absolutely true. So hopefully uh, LSU doesn't think that same way, though, because then they might throw Paul schemes on Wednesday, and South Carolina certainly doesn't want that. So no. um, <laughs> I, I don't think you want to put the cart before the horse if you're a South Carolina fan and chalk up the Georgia victory just yet. But if you do, you've got LSU looming, and, and you don't want to see schemes. He threw 113 or 115 on – on uh, on Thursday against Georgia, so you don't want to see you you don't want to see him. You want you want them to hold that guy out. So, so uh, but but you but your your point is certainly true that that they will have more time to uh, anyone who's used early can have plenty of time to to uh, to rest up before the regional. All right, final one right. here. If they get if they get beat tomorrow, uh, which would be another one and done. This would be their sixth straight loss if they. If they lose to Georgia in the tournament, it'd be their sixth straight loss in the tournament. Uh, seemingly, it, 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 in my opinion, it assures them that they're not going to be hosting a regional. Uh, any speculation as to where they may travel to, near or far? Um. Well, I, I, I don't think that they will be sent to Clemson. And, and turn, turn it around to the other side. Like, if you're Clemson, especially if you do well in the ACC, tournament you're looking at what a three a four or five national national seed based on how you finish the season like and you're gonna have to face if, if a south carolina team that is probably going to be 17 18 19 when you consider um consider you know where where they're standing or where their final standing is probably going to be in the eye of the committee like I don't. I don't see the committee doing that to Clemson. Um, you know, I, I, I know that the, the, the selection committees like to like to kind of spice up some matchups from time to time. But I, I think the teams are too far apart in what you would what you would want to be able to consider that a, a, a fair matchup for, for a team that's going to be one of your top top uh, national seeds. So I don't think that South Carolina going to go to Clemson, even if they lose on Tuesday to Georgia, tomorrow to Georgia. Um, but I do, uh, I, I, I do think that South Carolina will probably stay in the region because they try to give the favorable matchups to the 17-18-19 in terms of, in terms of uh, the easier host site, so to speak. And, you know, maybe it's Coastal, you know, maybe it's East Carolina, um, you know, maybe I mean, Campbell can still get back in the, the hosting picture, I think. Maybe it's there. Uh, I, I, I don't I don't know where South Carolina will end up. I would be really surprised if it's if it's Clemson. I'd be really surprised if it's one of the you know top handful of, of national seats. Well, it probably won't be, with the exception of Clemson or Wake, because they're not going to go to an SEC, SEC school. So uh, you right. know that leaves those guys. That leaves uh, Virginia. You mentioned Coastal already. We'll see what happens with Boston College. You know, there's still a host of scenarios that could happen. Um, you know, so we'll just have to see the conference tournaments play out this week. 
All right, John. Well, uh, you know, I, I, I did mention this uh, earlier this morning on 107.5 The Game. I'm sure you'll agree. Although Carolina didn't finish well enough to get the five seed, I sure as hell will take the 9.30 a.m. local first pitch, huh. then the 11 o'clock first pitch over there. That's for sure. Man, I, it, uh, it will be nice to have the first game of the day. There is rain in the forecast for a lot yeah. of the day tomorrow, yeah. so it may be a long day at the ballpark for me, but at least I think I'll be the first one covering a game. So we'll 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 see how that goes. But that's so much better. I've been in that I've been in that night game, that last game of the night way too many times. I'll, I'll pass on that. Absolutely. That's the last thing you want to do is be the night game sitting around all day. We've watched teams play till two, three in the morning over there. And that is that just ain't good for anybody. So get it in and get it over with and if rain backs it up, it backs it up. Maybe that saves some arms for you, but we'll see. John, uh, do your best to pull them through. They need a couple more wins to try to be playing in Columbia next weekend. I'll, I'll do everything I can to have an impact on the game tomorrow, and I think that's going to be very minimal. Okay, that sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> Safe travels, my friend. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you. There you go, John Thanks, Little. Thanks, John. Big Spur on the way to Hoover, Hoover, Alabama. Where I still, I mean, it, it is a great ballpark. It's a unique park. It's history. It's tradition. Uh, there still is absolutely nothing to do there outside of spending time in the Hoover Mall or sitting at the ballpark. So if you ever go to Hoover, take it, take an RV. You'll be drinking in it a lot times. while it's raining. I've been many times. Yeah. I've yeah. never been in the SEC tournament, but I've been to that stadium for a football, a Hoover High School football, actually. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I remember I mentioned Joe McKnight the other day. I saw Joe McKnight play there. Uh, they they kind of have a uh, – they make it into a football field. And Hoover played whatever Joe McKnight's school was from Louisiana. Joe McKnight was awesome. <laughs> uh, but I've been there for SEC Media Day so many times. And there you're right. It's like you get Chick-fil-A in the mall, and that's it. Yeah, that's about it. How exciting! Yeah, yeah, not a lot. That's why you, you take. That's what LSU figured this thing out years ago. They just take their RVs and um, they kind of hope it rains so they can drink more by just sitting under the awnings of their RVs, and that's what they do. So, yeah, we'll uh, we'll have to see what Carolina does. I I, I, I mentioned JC mentioned to Bill this morning. He was asking me about the tournament being played in the morning. He said, "What's that like?" I said, "Well, it sucks." I can tell you that, to get up and have to be at the field at 7 a.m., nobody wants to do that. But you would rather do that than when you've got the nightcap, which is the, that was the two scenarios for them based on the five or six. So if you've got the four game in Hoover, you ne- it you have so many ways for this thing. There, There's the bracket right there. So many ways for this thing to run long. You have the game itself, like, extra innings or just playing slow, whatever it is. You've got rain and, and lightning. And so, you know, when you back – once one game gets backed up, they all get backed up, right? We've seen this before. I mean, I've, we've been up – a few years ago, Carolina was playing at two-something in the morning. So, you know, our time. So, one-something their time. But what you don't want to do is get to the ballpark. Let's say that 530 holds true, Alabama, Kentucky, and then – it ends up getting, which would be 4.30 their time, but being pushed back a little bit. So you get there around 
6 o'clock, 6.30, you start getting loose, and then you don't even get on the field till 11 o'clock at night. You, you don't want to do that. Mm. After sitting in a hotel room for six, seven hours or walking around a, walking around the mall, it's miserable. Um, so if you can play in the morning, play in the morning, and that's what they'll get to do tomorrow is play in the morning, and then good news. If they win, they'll play in the morning again on Wednesday. Yeah. Well, yeah. I can only hope that they, you know, I, I don't know. We've said it. This team – has shown the ability to play great baseball and they need to find it tonight <laughs> before, yeah. they, they, before they throw first well, pitch out tomorrow, you know, and I mean, you still have postseason ahead of you, even if you do lose in the tournament, that's the good thing. You've, you've played well enough to, you know, at least make it to the tournament, even though you may not host a regional, but golly, you really want to, you really want to get to 40 would probably, I agree with what y'all were saying earlier. I mean, 40 probably does it looking at everything going on here. And that's, that's what you need. I'd be shocked if 40 didn't do it. And, and yeah. look, you know, like with this ballpark too, this is one of the things I know we got to go, but like, this is one of the things that I, I'm a big fan of, of the power game in baseball. Like I love, I love guys that can hit the home run. Of course, who doesn't? And South Carolina is as good at it as, as most, but, you know, the 548 strikeouts, this this is where the approach that Whittle is explaining can get you into trouble because think about this for a second. Outside of where you're going to play your regional, which unless you're hosting, you don't know where you're going to go. Uh, you do know where the World Series is, which is in Omaha, Nebraska, and you know where this tournament is. So two of the uh, two of the possibly three or four different venues you'll play in in the postseason are in very, very, very large ballparks that play very big. Hoover plays large, Omaha plays large. So you can't just constantly and consistently rely on the long ball. Now, South Carolina has the second most walks in the SEC, which is one of the tops in the country. And as John pointed out, like they, they will wait on the walk. Like they, they know, they think they know their zone. This is the zone. If it's not there, they're not going to swing. The problem is though, is the 548 strikeouts. So like, Here's the difference. LSU, while they have three more walks than the Gamecocks do this season, they also have like 100 less strikeouts, hence a 310 batting average, and Carolina's 275. So that's the difference, right? Like you've got to be able to play in a ballpark that 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 plays something other than the long ball. And, and LSU's really good at that. Um, South Carolina has guys who are very capable of doing that. They just haven't done it. You know, they're – this is the zone. We're in the zone. And as John pointed out, the approach very rarely changes, it seems, with this power-type club. And and that's something like, can they just flip that switch and kick it into gear tomorrow? My, my instinct says no. I mean, I've been around this game a long time. You kind of all you are once you've played 55, 60 ball games. Um, can you get hot? Well, of course. So, you know, we'll just have to see. But that that's the thing. When you, when you have that style of offense, there's got to be a middle ground. Like, you've got to be able to adjust. You got to be able to adjust. You got to be able to adjust. And, and I'm talking about it bat to it bat, which will allow you to adjust ballpark to ballpark to play a different brand of offensive baseball when you need to. And um, South Carolina just hasn't really been able to do that. So we'll see what it looks like tomorrow against the guy who hadn't pitched in five weeks. But um, certainly offensively, it's been pretty bleak over the last over the last few weeks. So um, with that said, though, uh, Phil, it is 12 o'clock, and I've just talked this all the way through the top of the hour. So we'll hit a timeout. I know we've got to catch up on some breaks and things like that. We can continue this. I know we've got some recruiting to get into. Uh, and uh, the story of the weekend, quite frankly, in sports was Michael Block, what happened in the PGA Championship. 
he flew the freaking cup yesterday for a hole in one at 15. That was one of the more unique and hair standing moments I can remember in recently in sports. Uh, if you happen to see that, wow. So everybody hang tight. Hour one is in the books. Hour two. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. If you're looking for a karaoke partner, I can tell you, I can't carry a tune in a bucket. But what I do have is a very specific set of skills. Hang up now and your IT nightmares will continue. But stay on the line and I will find you. And when I find you, I will fix it. Um, thanks. Uh, I think I have the wrong number. I'm trying to call Matt at Heritage Digital. He has a one price, low cost turnkey solution for all my IT needs. And I'm sick and tired of my IT guy. So yeah, 843-699-1001. This is 1002. Oh, well, thanks anyway. Don't be taken by some IT dude that talks a big game. Give Matt at Heritage Digital a call, 843-699-1001. Golfers and wannabe golfers, former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor is now a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina. In-person golf lessons are held at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course nine or 18 holes. And if you're outside of South Carolina, Meredith conducts virtual lessons. Just send in your golf swing for analysis. Gift cards are available for in-person one-hour lessons. Connect on Twitter at Mayor Taylor and find her online at McKellarEnterprises.org. Her email is on the website. Schedule your next lesson today with Meredith Taylor, former Gamecock golfer. <laughs> Hey, Gamecock fans, it's Evan Stowe from Gamecock Baseball. A couple of painters paint the show Garnet and Black every day and get the job done right at a fair cost. Go to LetMePaintSomething.com for information and an estimate. Go Cox. You heard Evan Stone, Gamecock fans, 10% off for military repeat customers or mention the show. Interior, exterior painting, fencing, cabinet staining, concrete painting, popcorn ceiling removal, and more. 803-522-6832. LetMePaintSomething.com. Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. The home of Oventon, Velotric, Magnum Bikes, and more, they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Their electric bikes are equipped with five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle so you can ride longer, handle the heat better, but still get great exercise. Bikes are available for all ages and sizes. Visit electricbikescharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant if you're in the low country. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. The real estate market has changed. What's up, Gamecock fans? This is Pitcher Noah Hall. If you want some delicious food for your event, I suggest visiting nanasports.com today to find out what they all have to offer. It's really good southern cuisine based out of Charlotte, my hometown. I hope you guys go check it out. Go Cox and go Nanas. Are you looking to buy a new home? Kevin O'Connell with Union Home Mortgage is a local mortgage expert and Gamecocks fan servicing North and South Carolina. Whether you're buying a home, building your dream home with new construction, or turning your equity into cash, UHM's world-class service will ensure you find the perfect mortgage to achieve your home ownership goals. Call Kevin at 803-906-0244 or visit UHM.com today. Union Home Mortgage is an equal housing lender. NMLS 2229 LONMLS 1772182 
Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. The home of Oventon, Velotric, Magnum Bikes, and more, they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Their electric bikes are equipped with five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle so you can ride longer, handle the heat better, but still get great exercise. Bikes are available for all ages and sizes. Visit electricbikescharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant if you're in the Lowcountry. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. Hey everyone, this is Jack Mahoney from Gamecock Baseball, and inside the Gamecocks, the show is teed up every day by TravelingCountryClub.com. So if you all love golf, make sure you guys go check out their awesome membership options, and go Cox. Welcome to TravelingCountryClub.com, your modern golf club experience. Hey folks, this is Michael Manis, former Gamecock golfer, inviting you to play more golf with a membership to TravelingCountryClub.com. With over 40 courses across the Carolinas, our membership provides you with an affordable way to enjoy a club-like golf experience. From the mountains to the coast, we offer golf courses that will challenge all types of golfers, no matter your handicap level or level of play. Plus, we offer unique membership benefits not seen anywhere else as part of Traveling Country Club. In July, we're excited to bring to you the third annual Plunder on Polly's two-day golf tournament with rounds played at Caledonia and True Blue Golf Courses in the heart of Polly's Island. Head to TravelingCountryClub.com to register for that event. And it is not exclusive to TCC members, but to become one, you can sign up and bring to life your golf game. Tee it up with Traveling Country Club, TravelingCountryClub.com, TravelingCountryClub.com, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. This is Zachary Davis from Carolina Hoops, and you're watching the show with JB, JC, and Phil. Go Cox. Welcome back, everybody, to Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Second hour of the show coming at you now. I was trying to find a little video of that hole-in-one, but I was so close when we picked uh, winners with Meredith on Friday and missed it by one stroke with old Mr. Hovland. <laughs> yeah, yeah I texted her. <laughs> I texted her. She was all over Schiffler, and she's like, Kopka, uh, how do you say it? Kepka. Oh, Kepka, Brooks Kepka. She's like him the whole season. <laughs> so, well, Meredith obviously knows a, a lot about golf. Because <laughs> she's been close. I mean, think about her predictions. She's a Masters and now this. And she's been pretty close. So, uh, well, Bru- Brooks uh, Kepka like is yeah. the best player in the game right now. He's Yeah. Now that he's healthy again, he's he's something. He's, some, yeah, he's a lead guy, there. am I right? Yeah, and, and the thing about, like, hats off to Brooks, too, for yesterday, like, making it about him winning it and making it about the tournament and the PJ Championship because, like, I used to have a ton of respect for Greg Norman, and you know, he has to get on Twitter and go on this whole rambling rant about how Liv belongs and this, that, and the other. Like, nobody ever said that they didn't. If they didn't belong, your guys wouldn't be in the tournaments. So, I mean, it's – like, you know, Bryce and DeChambeau, there's not a lot of guys out there like him anyways, but, you know, just like the way that they've, like, created this divide. Like, y'all left to go to live, and now you're trying to say that, what are you saying? Like, we don't, we feel like we don't belong? Well, you left. <laughs> you left the PGA, uh, you left, uh, you left to go do something different. Like, you turned in your card. So, like, it's all generically made-up bullcrap that, like, ESPN has picked up on, of course, and that's all they want to air is, 
oh god live versus pga and yet it's just a joke you know so hats off to kepka for keeping it like straight and narrow here and going hey uh yeah i hear you but really i'm it's kind of about me like i played good golf today you know i played great golf this weekend i won the pga championship like yeah this does something for live i guess but you know hats off to these fans i mean like quit asking me questions about this which is it's insane <laughs> But some the of shark reporters. begs to differ, though. Greg Norman is the shark. <laughs> and he's gonna be able to, I'm going to get on the tweet machine and stir some stuff up. <laughs> yeah, I, oh, that's what that's what they're trying to do here. Like with, I just think it's a joke. I mean, just you know, whatever. Nobody really cares. So, I mean, yeah, he's uh, Craig just said in the chat box. Kept I don't like Kepka, but he's amazing. I'm with you. I mean, I've never really personally cared from him a ton based on what I see from a distance, right? But man, I mean, I I I mentioned this uh, yesterday to my buddy who writes for Golf Digest, and I was like, "Dude, if you took the best players in the world, let's say the top ten players in the world, top fifteen, whatever you want to do, however you want to cut that up, regardless of what the ranking is, I'm not talking about just based on how they're ranked, like the best players in golf, and you gave them all their A plus game, JT, Rory, Kepka." so on and so forth. The best players in the world, they all are going to play their A-plus game on one course. It doesn't matter what course it is. I don't think anybody can beat Kepka in his A-plus game, and everybody else is too. Like, he, he's that good of a player. Very very similar to how, you know, the Tigers of the world once were and things like that. I think JT would be close, but Kepka is just – he's something. He is something. Oh, we got some right. recruiting stuff. Yeah. <laughs> No, In the chat ahead. box, Clint has been all over it today. Uh, he's been pretty active. Uh, uh, okay, so the question about the mystery defensive end, okay, he, and the question was, is this going to be a guy that will just get in the portal and automatically commit, or is it going to be a guy that you have to battle for? I'll just say this. The more, <laughs> the more that is known, the more of a chance it'll be a battle. So I'll, I'll, I'll go there. Um and I know you guys are going to continue to ask me about it and all, but uh, I, I think, as has been the case with a lot of these portal guys, the outcome is probably what's important. Um, people the other day were like, you know, the big spurs. There were some rants. I don't understand this secret uh, prospect stuff, and you guys aren't do blah, blah, blah. And so I'll explain it really quick. Shut up. Okay. <laughs> I'm Get a, a freaking life. Okay. Get a dog or so a turtle like, or a cat. Oh, by the way, uh, one thing I did do this weekend, besides uh, get make progress on our patio we're building, uh, I opened the yeah. turtle habitat back up outside. So Lizzie is her summer home is open. I just want to give a shout out. She's no longer my co-host right here beside me. Um, <laughs> but uh, so 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 here it is. Okay, so uh, you you can't sit there and put things out that could be damaging to the process or affect the process negatively or positively, either way. It's unethical. It's, it's not right. Uh, you're dependent on sources to do this job, too. You don't want to burn them. And so then people are like, well, well, why say anything at all? Why, why, well, why, are you playing, why are you playing these games? Well, it's not a game. Because if I don't say anything, everybody's going to sit there and rip the coaching staff for just – they're going to act like they're just sitting on their hands, exactly. you know, eating Cheetos and, and drinking Mountain Dew and doing nothing. Uh, so I have to tell you that there is activity that they are, you know, they're after, they're on it. Um, but I can't, you know, I don't want to get into any details about it. So that's, that's that reason there. And so, 
Um, you know, Braylon Russell, obviously four-star running, uh, running back, I think from Arkansas is visiting. I don't know what the Gamecocks chances are. Dowell Loggins is on him. Got him to visit. Uh, Clint says you need a home run hitter and he's not that guy. I, I don't necessarily think, I don't necessarily think a home run hitter is necessary. I think you need a good talented running back and several of them. Um, and you know, I don't think anybody's going to catch Braylon Russell if he breaks into the open field. Um, I, I I think you're talking home run hitter. I mean, Braswell's probably that guy, given his uh, nice speed that he's got. And uh, this kid, Matthew Fuller from Georgia, uh, he has a 10.7900 meter, which is for a 220-pounder, really fast. I mean, that's that's fast. Uh, Jay Boshaw's school. Um, so if you're looking for breakaway guys, but Clint, I don't agree. I, I think at this point, running back, you you just need talent. You you don't need, you don't have to go and go. Oh, I need a, we need CJ Spiller out there. You know, I think you need talent, and I think Daniel Hill's very talented. Uh, I think that uh, Fuller's very talented. I think Russell's very talented. Um, you know, and, you know, I, I kind of think Russell's a long shot. But uh, I think that uh, that's what they need at running back. It's, you know, you start splitting hairs with a, a quote-unquote home run hitter. And I know you liked Peyton Lewis, and Peyton Lewis is a very fast back. But at this point, you just need play. I mean, you need people that can play. Mm-hmm. Um, and good backs, even if they aren't like 4-4 guys, good backs will hit the home run. Marcus Lattimore is an example of that. Marcus is probably a 4-7 guy on a good day. Uh, but his angles and the way he could break for I me, mean, you know, nobody would catch him in the open field, would they? You know, so that's uh, that's the deal there. So I don't necessarily agree that they have to have this, uh, you know, C.J. Spiller type of back or, or, or whatever. Um, so there we go with that. Uh, you know, I, you know, well, he, Clint says you don't need four of the four or five of the same types of backs. Yeah, well, you know, you do have diversity in, in that room already with. You know, even with Braswell and Joyner and Anderson and, and all that, but you got to have, and you just got to have, you know, you got to have guys at this point. So that's that's the the, the way. In regard to running back, though, JC, like, is do is there anybody that we can look at who we've seen play, not just you know speculative like Braswell coming in, that we can at least take a little hope in the fact that okay, Hardesty you know, really does good player eval. So even if the guy's not coming in a high star ranking, is there any concrete proof that we can trust it, you know, a la Torian Gray and, and what he's done with I, the secondary? And, love, and, and, and Phil, that's not necessarily a knock on Monterey Hardesty. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Remember, he was a receivers coach at Charlotte. And so there, there's just not the track record there to say, hey, he's a great evaluator or he's not a good evaluator. Right. You know, like some guys, like I think Des Kitchings at running backs coach, very good evaluator. I thought Bobby Bentley uh, did a really good job evaluating running backs while he was here. I think Jay Graham, uh, Jay Graham gets a lot of credit for signing Marcus, but Jay Graham also signed Brandon Wilds (laughs) who (laughs) had one offer from Arkansas, you know, as a fullback. And and I didn't really think Wilds was that good. I mean, honestly, I, I think I rated him, a two-star boy, I was wrong. <laughs> I stand <laughs> corrected. So, so some running backs coaches do can, are very resourceful in finding guys. Some aren't, sometimes it's, it's a crap shoot, but, uh, 
you know, we'll just see. Uh, Sean asked, JC, I know y'all signed Stone Blanton to Carolina Rise. Is that renewed every year? Is it a year-by-year basis? We don't get into details on that, but uh, I'll just, for, for th- that purpose, for Stone doing the Heritage, that was a, a partnership, uh, an advertising partnership that we facilitated. So we paid him a fee to do the commercial. He did the commercial, and that was that. Um, and, and we do a lot of kind of one-off stuff like that. Um, you know, we do some monthly stuff too, but it's, uh, it, it's, uh, you know, with, with stuff like that, that's usually what that is, but, uh, don't want to get any further details about that. Um, and all that good stuff. So, you know, Lance just wants to, ke- uh, Kevin Harris, you know, <laughs> Bill oh, says, how many people Casey, were celebrating Kevin Harris when he signed at South Carolina? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I took, dude, there were people just trashing the kid. I know. That's beat, how that's what people do. Beat a guy, beat, you got beat you beat out Army and Navy for him. Well, he's two hundred and fifteen pounds and runs a four four and jumped forty one inches. <laughs> that's I why mean, they I, took I would him. consider yeah, beating Army and Navy a good thing because all they do is run a damn ball. <laughs> uh, could you imagine if Kevin every, Harris had gone to Navy? I think every military school in the country offered him, if I remember yeah, right. Oh, yeah, Army, Navy, Air Force, and Carolina. But could yeah. you imagine if he'd have gone to Navy and played in that offense? My God. Uh, uh, he may have rushed for a million yards if he was healthy. I mean, that guy in that league, he would have torn it up and in that system. Um, you know, and, and as far as Bill and, uh, you know, talking about Clint's evals, I respect Clint's evals. Because, you know what? What if nobody cared enough to eval? And what if nobody cared enough about recruiting to have an opinion? I, would, I wouldn't have a job. Well, I'd have this job. I could just sit here and talk about whatever, do voices and stuff. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. Anybody that wants to eval is fine with me. I'm not always going to agree with it. Um, we got rankings coming out on 24-7 Sports today that probably make some of your heads spin <laughs> because they did, they're not ranking the state uh, correctly. But uh, I'll leave it at that. But uh, it's okay because that's their opinion. I'm glad people care. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the deal there with that but sorry uh, for having an opinion pal yeah. pal's opinions harry doyle sorry for having an opinion pal. sorry for having an opinion pal <laughs> yeah Joel. tell him money yeah. bills are money yeah right <laughs> take over <laughs> dynamite drop in money. dynamite drop in dynamite in, drop in. that broadcasting school is really paying off for you that's right. Ground ball out. No, no, it was it was a, <laughs> it, took over. it was a it, it was a ball that was hammered into the gap in left center field. Fly ball. Fly ball. Caught. 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 That's right. <laughs> Guy laid out like Griffey. I may watch that movie this afternoon. I'm, it's I'm so to, funny. It. Yeah, it's been a long time since I've seen it, too. I may have to go and watch that. Uh, Bob Uecker <laughs> is the best, man. Bob, He's still yeah. so good. Quantrell says he, maybe the camp season will bring up some new offers at running back. Maybe so. Mm-hmm. Maybe so for 2024, especially 2025. Gamecocks did offer – I think I think this guy is going to be the next big running back out of the state because he's twenty. Uh oh, here we go. From, from oh, Room High School. I'll only be fifty when he's playing. <laughs> <laughs> I love all these 26, twenty six. 
man, they just offered 2027 seventh grade safety. This dude's going to be a stud. I'm like, I'll be dead. Seventh grade. I saw 2027 in a big spur article the other day. I'm like, my God. (laughs) I I just can't, like, forgive me because I know someone's going to get angry at me for saying this. Like, of course, I keep up with recruiting, JC. We and I, you and I text back and forth about this every day. Oh, yeah. But, like, when offers and stuff go out for two, three, four years down the road, like, we don't even know what this team's going to look like in freaking August. God only <laughs> knows what could t- change between now and then. I just, I'm like, whatever. I don't even, I, I totally dismiss it. And, and I'll tell you I why they get do excited it. about that. Here's why they do it. It's, it's like, like Kelvin Hunter, okay? So, yeah. by the time... Anybody else figured out that Kelvin Hunter could play ball and four-star safety from West Florence committed the Gamecocks. The Gamecocks were so far ahead because they offered him as like a sophomore that he was going nowhere else. And so it was certain guys. I mean, this guy, Marcus Lattimore, picked up an offer from South Carolina. I think Carolina was his first offer after his ninth grade year. And I think this kid from Broome, uh, rest for 1,036 yards, 23 touchdowns, 7.3 carry. For those that aren't familiar with Spartanburg County football, let's just say the Centurions are kind of there with Chesney and Landrum as far as the – and Bowling Springs to a certain extent. Those programs that haven't done a whole lot. But Bowling uh, Springs. But Bowling Springs uh, really doesn't have any excuses because it's a bigger school. Broom's a 2A, 3A school. But Jalen McGill, he got his offer, and, you know, sometimes guys like that you do need to get on early, and I think this is a guy to get excited about down the down the road, and uh, he's probably the next great one. Just looking at, at who's in, you know, not saying there won't be another run pop-up that's good or anything like that, but he's probably the next great one out of the state. See, that hadn't happened in a while. I mean, think about it. So you had Marcus, okay, you go a couple of years, and then you had Tavian Feaster, who was a five-star but didn't – didn't really end up having a five-star career. He's solid for Clemson and Carolina both, but didn't really have a five-star career. And there just hadn't been anybody, you know. I mean, it's uh, it's been interesting at that position in the state. So uh, the Henderson kid from BHP looks pretty good too, is what they say. So <clears throat> um, that's that's it there. So anyway, that's um, – mm-hmm. All right, 12-25, we'll hit – yeah, I guess we need to take a break. Yeah. That. All right. Yeah. Set our first time out of the hour. Teed up by TravelingCountryClub.com, the coolest club in the Carolinas. Play golf in the mountains or on the beach. TravelingCountryClub.com. We'll be right back. If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass, Sear Foss of Caldwell Banker Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864-414-5271, Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Cool Julia. And when I'm not eating average jambalaya or celebrating endless summer in Destin, I like to eat pimento cheese straight off the bucket. Mmm. And the only pimento cheese I like to eat is from Nana's Porch. It's award-winning. It'll melt in your mouth. It's good on a cracker. It's good in a bowl. It's good on a piece of bread. Also, don't forget Nana's Porch has a hell of a food truck. It's award-winning as well. And they're here for all of your catering needs. So get online. Nana'sPorch.com. It's mm-mm good. 
Coach O signing off. Endless summer. Go Tigers. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location, or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go hey man, are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. You know what, Phil? Let's ask Stone Blanton. Hey, JC and Phil, if you want a solution to your IT problems, give Heritage Digital a call. Our boy Matt Odom has a low-cost, one-price solution that will get you running right. Call 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com and ask for Matt. He will hook you up today and tell them Stone City. This is Colmacina from the Yardcocks. Electric Bikes of Charleston powers inside the Gamecocks, the show. Be sure to check them out online or in Mount Pleasant. Go Gamecocks. Welcome back, everybody, to Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Looks like somebody's vying for Hale McGranahan's position. We're oh! Bring Hale on, and then... Uh, you don't, having, you don't want any of that. You don't uh, want yeah, that smoke. You don't want to <laughs> come after Hale's stuff. <laughs> don't let don't let Hale fool you, man. He's a former MMA guy. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's the he's, absolute truth. Yeah, he's he, he killed a guy one time. Never, never so found killed a guy. <laughs> Boy, that escalated quickly. <laughs> well, Biff killed a guy. Biff killed. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. What's his name? Well, I forget Steve Carell's character's name. And um, uh, it was uh, in Anchorman. Oh, Anchorman. Oh shoot! The weather. He's the weather guy. The weather guy. Yeah. Lamp. I mean, it's like. I mean, what a brick, brick, yeah, brick, brick, brick killed a guy. Dorothy Mantooth is a saint. I love that. I could quote that all day. So don't worry, we'll be able to quote quote plenty of it in July. There's nothing. To talk yeah, about. we're just all talking <laughs> movies. All right, movie talking time is coming here in a couple of weeks, folks. All right, you you <laughs> take a shot. Then tell me what you're thinking of after. Yeah, <laughs> like hey guys, <laughs> movie trivia and stuff. But uh, top five. Yeah, season. It, <laughs> we'll we'll go back and go through. It'll be our list I, season here. We'll go through our <laughs> list. I will say we. Well, I told you we watched Air. Uh, and then what night was this? Probably. I guess it was Thursday. Yeah. When Carol, yeah, yeah. Carolina got bumped to Friday. So Thursday night we watched, um, uh, had to pay for it because it's still not totally out of the theaters yet, but Carrie and I watched Sky Ritchie's the covenant with Jake Gyllenhaal. I mean, it was $20, but it was worth every daggum penny. That movie no, is really? wonderful. <laughs> I'm writing this down. The covenant. Yeah, it's good. It's on Amazon prime. I mean, you got to spend 20 bucks. I, 
you know, or you can just wait. We didn't feel like waiting. I wanted to spend the 20 bucks. I'm glad I did. It was awesome. Amazing. Amazing. Guy Ritchie. Good director. Good director there. But, uh, yeah, uh, Quantrill asked who's responsible for ranking JC. the state of South Carolina. For JC is Quantrill. No, I mean. Yes, he is. No, it's all JC. I wish. JC and I hell. Mean, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have Troy Stevens in the top 247. I mean. Quantrell, do you want Hale to kill you? I wouldn't question the rankings. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Hale, yeah, and Hale's not involved either because he's probably not uh, too thrilled about it. I think Andrew I- Ivans uh, has a position where he's kind of up there. I think Brian Doan gives some feedback. Um, I, but I can't hang it on one, one person because I just don't know. And I, I really, 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 I'll give you my opinion on rankings all you want all day long and tell you when I think they're wrong, but I'm not, uh, I, I try to, because of what I used to do, I try to kind of not go crazy and try to <laughs> sick my, the fan base on, on anybody. Uh, even if I do strongly, strongly disagree and really kind of slap myself in the head sometimes about yeah. some of this stuff. Well, I mean, um, but like Quantrell's got a point here though. I mean, it's, and it's not even just the South Carolina side of this. Like it, 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 bo- it does boggle my mind as to why there wouldn't be a little bit of it, m- maybe more, JC, maybe you can explain this, emphasis on the opinions of the, those that cover the state, like from Clemson and South Carolina, you know, re- cover recruiting in this state. You know, why, if, if it's not already this way, I don't know. I have no idea how this works. But why would they not say, hey, JC, hey, Hale, hey, so-and-so, hey, so-and-so from Clemson, you know, wh- what is your e-value evaluations of these top 10 guys here and then go from there. Why, why is that not more of a, why is there not more of an emphasis on that? I mean, that's how we used to do it. Now you always, you have to be somewhat careful when you're, when you're, cause you got guys that work in these States, like, especially like a state like Florida. I remember I used to go round and round with the Florida guys. And, and I ended up being right about a bunch of these cats, but, uh, you got to be careful not to make it, you know, like, like you can't just call up your Georgia Bulldogs guy and say, who do you like? And then it ends up being the Georgia offer board, <laughs> you know, first the one through 14. And, th- and that's not really reality. Um, uh, I'll give you an example, you know, like Michael Smith uh, is going to be pretty highly ranked. Uh, he's a kid from Georgia going to South Carolina, you know, things like that, you, you know, you, you wouldn't go and say, oh, well, Georgia got this other tight end from in the state. Or, or maybe they're thinking that he'll flip to Georgia. <laughs> Who knows? But um, uh, mm-hmm. I don't think that's going to happen. But, uh, you know, maybe maybe that's their speculation since Georgia lost Landon Thomas to the Knowles. But, um, you know, uh, you got to be careful with that. But at the same time, when you got a guy that has zero in-state offers, that's 155 pounds. It's a safety that really you don't, you know, a lot of his other offers really aren't. I mean, you don't know. This reminds me of this kid, Hakeem Flowers, that played at, uh, at Phil's alma mater, Wade Hampton. Hakeem ran up like 40 offers, like Oregon, Ohio State, Michigan, based on this film that was sped up a little bit. Where he looked like faster than, you know what? So teams from out of state will throw out verbal offers to get in the game. Well, he camps and he visits and he camps and he visits. By the time it was all done, none of those 40 offers were committable, except NC State. 
just kind of took a flower on him, and he ended up quitting football after a year. Uh, and there was, and I never ranked him high, and I caught a lot of hell, <laughs> but I never ranked him high because it just did it did not make sense. And you gotta, especially in a state like South Carolina, where there's just not a lot of players. You know, I mean, having a guy, a guy like um, Troy Stevenson ranked ahead of Cam Pringle, for example, who, you know, if he hadn't gone to South Carolina, he'd gone to Alabama, Ohio State, somebody like that, uh, is is a little bit disconcerting. Um, they do, uh, you know, Kelvin Hunter's going to be in the top 247, but, man, when you have him below Troy Stevenson in the state as a safety you know, you're not really even like evaluating the position correctly. I guess they're going to have him as a corner, but I'm just like, man, if he was good enough to play in the SEC, Tory and Gray would would have offered him. You know, and they haven't. Uh, I'm not saying they won't ever. Maybe they will, but uh, but I just don't. I just don't know. I mean, I'm like, I'm kind of beside myself about that. You know, that particular ranking, and uh, you know, like Braylon Staley. The kid that's probably going to Clemson from Aiken, the receiver. I, I get it because he's fast. You know, I I don't have a problem wherever he's ranked. But uh, the, the Stevenson, this Cam Pringle below Stevenson thing is just I, I don't get it. Uh, I don't know that anybody else will have that particular ranking uh, from the South State of South Carolina. So twenty four seven will definitely be an outlier. But. Uh, you know, that's the thing there. Um, Clint says, so you're saying Monroe Freeling wasn't the best player in South Carolina this past season? Jamie? No. No. <laughs> I'm with Jamie on that. I, I'm with Jamie I, look, on man, that. I, I, I'm not good at predicting futures necessarily, but might end up being outstanding at Georgia. Might be coached well enough, but I, I would, you know, to get there, I, I – I have my doubts. I will. I will. You better be. You better be a tough nut to play offensive line in the SEC. And um, size is there. Looks good, doesn't he? Gets off the bus good. So I'll say this: gets off Georgia, the bus good. Uh, after Freeling, like right, right around the time Freeling committed last year, spoke with a, a good source close to the Georgia program, and they loved. They thought Cam Pringle was night and day better than. Monroe Freeling, and they really, really had him up toward the top of their board. Um, Stacy Searles, when he came in and was looking for <clears throat> looking at Lenore Sellers for a while, um, uh, they, they went by Woodland uh, a couple of times. I mean, Georgia Georgia had him pretty highly up there. So, uh, you know, Xavier says it was funny. You have Clemson, Clemson players hmm. <clears throat> saying they didn't want Camp Ringham's that bad because he isn't that good. Or his players or fans? Hopefully it's not. Players. I don't. Uh, I, I I think any any you know any Clemson person with a brain and they realized that they they lost out on some offensive line talent this year in the state. Um, but you know, it, it, on that note, Clemson has. I think this gets overlooked a little bit just because of the way Dabo hires coaches and and it's been successful for him, just kind of promoting from within or whatever. But not all promotions from within are creating created equal. And I, I was talking to a good Clemson source really twice this weekend, and he made a good point. They've lost some really good recruiters and haven't necessarily replaced Venables, Todd Bates, you know, Thad Turnipseed off the field. Um, yeah. He's kind of the info. The, he's kind of like Taylor Edwards is for South Carolina. Um, 
you know, Robbie Caldwell used to be able to recruit really well. You know, uh, Jeff Scott is no longer, you know, a receiver. Now he's on, he's back, he's back in town. But, uh, so I, I can kind of get that. I mean, as good of a recruiter as Dabo is and, you know, their success speaks for itself. They, they probably don't, you know, they're probably in a situation where they don't have quite as much firepower as they once did uh, in recruiting. And you're running up against, uh, with South Carolina specifically, a bunch of guys that can recruit uh, with a few exceptions. So that's, uh, yeah, that's my take. I, 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 you know, who knows what Monroe feeling will ultimately be, but uh I mean, it's Georgia. They're going to develop him, right? But, uh, yeah, I'll take Pringle and Thompson. I'll take Marky Anderson well, last year, too. I mean, a couple yeah. of things to remember about him, too. You know, while he was a quote-unquote in-state guy, he wasn't. Uh, they've moved here from the Pacific Northwest. And Carolina, down the sh- – well, not even down the stretch. Just, they never really pushed for him. Um, neither did Clemson. So, you know, there were a lot of schools outside of the state of South Carolina that did. And, um, that's where he went. So hats off to him. He's a good kid. You know, he's a good kid, you know? So we'll just see if, uh, when that helmet is on, if he is meant to be an SEC tackle or not. Yeah. And uh, BD asked if we're still doing the mailbag. Yeah, what we what we struggle with sometimes is uh, like your, your longer emails and stuff. Sometimes we, we don't also, uh, uh, always have time to get to it. But I have read it, and so is Phil, and so is Jamie. And uh, your your points, I think, little as you said in the chat box, your, your points were well taken and right and correct. And he he, he ended it with up the Cox, which is always awesome. Uh, and that's not our guy. That's not our guy from Australia either. So uh, I wanted to acknowledge that because sometimes the longer ones we, we do, we, we don't skip over them, but then we kind of, it's kind of like saving, like I'm going to save this meatloaf for, for tomorrow. <laughs> that yeah. reminds me of I am legend when, when Will Smith was like, I was saving that bacon. <laughs> I was saving that bacon. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, you save the meatloaf and then, you know, I'll eat it Wednesday and then something comes up, you know, and then by Friday it's, you know, you're like, ah, oh, it's probably old. So you throw it out. But I wasn't going to throw out your, your thing there. Now we do have two IL consulting mailbag questions um, on Twitter. One's from Brad Crawford. He says covenant was awesome. That's not a question. That's a statement. And I agree with Brad. By the way, Brad will Brad will be on our program tomorrow as well at eleven thirty. We of course will be we will be uh doing our kind of in house analysis of Gamecock baseball versus Georgia. Uh so hopefully you can split screen us, but Brad will also be here tomorrow uh to talk some football and I'm sure Brad would love to talk baseball as well. He's a baseball fan. So yeah, we'll talk a little bit about it. And uh, Brad, mm-hmm. actually, if Carolina does get sent to Campbell, he's got uh, – uh, he lives up in eastern North Carolina. So yeah, that's Campbell right. ECU, really cool. you know, mm-hmm. ECU. Now, I, I look I, – I don't, I don't and, I, and I'll ask Brad this, too, because he probably knows. Is Campbell going to be one of those where they have to move it to, like, Wilson, like the minor league part? Because I just looked at their stadium, and I'm like, well, the Gamecock softball stadium is twice as big as this. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. I, there are so a lot of times they'll they'll only approve, uh, you know, if if you have earned it and your bid, of course, is in there. You know, you'll have to put that in your bid that says 
you know, hey, look, we're planning to bring in X number of seats to Bowie's Creek where they play or whatever. Like, so Duke, for instance, I don't know how Duke can host if they earned one. Like, let's say they win the ACC tournament and all of a sudden they're they're right back in the thick of it to host and they're, well, um, I can't remember what the conflict was with their home ballpark, but they, they also can't play at the Bowl Stadium because they've got games uh, that weekend. So they're, they're, you know, Duke's like, well, what do we do? So I think they're somewhere that's like an hour away, but are they going to really, it's, that's just a sticky, really difficult early, spot. Yes. And that's, that's what I was mentioning the other day is you don't want to be the team that gets it by default, but you know, like SEC programs, like those that are in this alongside mm-hmm. Carolina, um, you know, Kentucky, Auburn, Alabama, Tennessee, you know, if there's a team that's close to them that, you know, when you get to the off field stuff, actually yeah. putting on the tournament, you know, you're, you're going to, you will get committee members in there who are just going to give the nod to a program like that because they know number one, their facility is clear. Number two, they know what is going to happen in that facility, which is going to be packed out. Oh, absolutely. And that's what, you know, Carolina 2021, and that was because of, the Virginia COVID laws because those, they yeah. weren't allowing any crowds. Yeah, they they and, screwed uh, them. Yeah. yeah. State of Virginia so screwed, screwed them. Screwed old Dominion big time. And then Virginia got sent down or whatever. But uh, yeah, that's it's interesting for Duke. I would guess, um, I would guess it ends up being like uh, maybe they could go to Greensboro or Hill or something like that. Uh, that would be interesting. Duke hosts a regional at Chapel Hill. That's happened in basketball before. Duke's been a number one seed, first and second rounds worth the Dean Doom. Yeah. So, yeah Duke, I don't know. Uh, I, don't know. I mean, it, there's just so much that's going to be decided this week. But Duke losing that uh, series at Miami this weekend – that that was tough for them. They were a 15 projected last week. Miami was a 13. Miami's only strengthened, and you know Duke. Duke's probably th- this week's projections. You're probably going to find Duke out of there. South Carolina's probably going to be out of there. Um, everything else should stay yeah. the same. Who jumps in? More than likely, uh, Auburn will jump in, and um, probably maybe Tennessee. Yeah, Beatty. Beatty. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I called him Beatty because he changed his first name to Bink, and it's not Brian. And I got I got confused. I knew it was the same person though. My bad. But yeah, you, you know, you, you got to have that stadium, and um, so who knows who how it'll work out. I just the game comes. Campbell. Campbell last week was a two seed projected at Clemson. So if if I'm Clemson, I don't want Tennessee to get sent. To where I'm at, but I, I could, I'd be shocked if they did that to them. I don't know. It'll yeah. be interesting. Tennessee, look, man, with who's Tennessee have Phil? Uh, here I got it right here. Look at that. They got A and M. A and M. So if they beat A and M, and then they get Arkansas, and they beat Arkansas, boy, you're gonna it's gonna be hard to keep them out of there. It'd be hard. That'd be difficult. To Honestly, keep the balls yeah. Out of I mean, I, I think I think Tennessee, where regardless of where they're sent, with the way after seeing what I saw from their pitching staff this weekend, they could 
they could get on a run and end up in Omaha. I, I wouldn't be a bit surprised if they ended up in Omaha. Well, you've got – you could say that about any of the higher-ranked seeds in this first round, South Carolina, Tennessee, Kentucky, Auburn, all of these. If they win two games, look out. <laughs> yeah. So you, yeah, you got – well, I mean, think about Kentucky, for instance. Like, Whittle was laying out the scenario earlier being a top 16 RPI team. Okay, going back to our conversation on Friday, um, I'm not sure if you caught this or not, JC, but Kentucky has now lost six to seven series to finish the year. They lost to Georgia. They lost LSU. They lost A&M. They got swept by Vanderbilt. They, of course, beat South Carolina. Then they got uh, they lost to Tennessee, and then they lost this weekend to Florida. So you're talking about six of set six of seven of their six of their final seven SEC series that Kentucky has lost. And last week they were still projected as a ten seed. So was that enough to knock them all the way out? Because their RPI, you know, is up there with Carolina. As you're talking about an RPI that's you know currently right now sitting at number two. South Carolina is at number six, right? So it almost feels like in the tournament tomorrow, Kentucky has the eight, Bama has the nine. It almost feels like that's a regional elimination game between those two programs. Like I think that Kentucky needs to win a game or two to stay in the regional mix. I mean, I look, if if, you're, if they're going to bang on Carolina for losing four straight series, how are you not banging on Kentucky for losing six of their last seven? So yeah, <clears throat> they don't have a sweep over a number over a Florida, you know, and South Carolina mm. does since we're going back that far. Is so I, I feel the like biggest momentum team. Sorry, JB, I didn't mean to cut you off, but no, you didn't. No, they are. You're right. They yeah. are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, just like yeah, they I were last year. God, well, yeah, yeah they kicked it into gear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Auburn uh, and Ole Miss got hot at the right time, so maybe the game guys can do the same. Uh, it starts with Georgia, though, and uh, for some reason, you know, just I don't know why I got lost to me. For some reason, I thought Georgia was a little better than, than 29 and 26 and 11 and 19. Um, but who knows? Uh, Joel asked, who did they sweep? Who? South Carolina sweep? Florida. Florida. The, the, mm-hmm. the SEC champions. Yeah. So, yeah, and Georgia. <laughs> they swept Georgia, too. Swept Missouri, too, although – Man, think about back to that Missouri. I was at Disney when that was going on, man. And uh, think about the Missouri game or Missouri series and the Gamecocks came back and won all those games. Um, And uh, I thought Missouri was going to be a pretty good ball team, but they weren't. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you today. They swept Tennessee, you know. You want to know what the real difference is right now? One game, and it ain't what happened in the last four weeks. It's blowing that four-run lead against LSU. Had they yeah. won that game, they'd be thirty nine to six, thirty nine and sixteen. It'd be near impossible to take them out of the top sixteen, and they'd be in one game. So, now, with that said, they played plenty since then. They could have won another game somewhere along the line, which yeah, right, yeah, well, <laughs> plenty of opportunities. But no, you're right to the point that it was like that marquee win would because you it. swept them in the two game. Yeah, yeah. that was mm-hmm. it. That was it. I'll also say this: I think the midweeks losing North Florida, even though. Carolina was significantly better at midweeks this year. They did lose three, Charlotte twice, and North Florida once. I mean, that, especially that second Charlotte game. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you won two of those, you're at 40 and 14. 
and that's going to be hard to keep you from hosting at that point. But you know, it, it it's crazy. It, it's it, it's absolutely baffling to me that Mark Kingston at South Carolina has never won forty games. Yeah, hopefully he does. I mean, oh, oh yeah, you, you'd think he'd get there this year, but I mean, it's kind of. I don't know. It's it's like I said. I'm not gonna call it a collapse yet, but it's it's trending. They need to stop the slide somehow. And every time they seem to get a win and some momentum, you know, the other whoever they play next or the next game, it just, they just get smacked right back in the face. So, uh, got to be careful and uh, got to finally, you know, it's maybe time to do something in Hoover for a change. You know, so so we'll see. We'll see you tomorrow morning, right? Yeah. yeah, we'll find out tomorrow, no doubt. All right, uh, we do need to step aside, though, for our final break of the afternoon. A couple of questions in here about Landon and uh, Coach McDonald. Both guys, uh, believe it or not, I know Dan McDonald a lot better than I know Landon Powell, which is crazy to think. Uh, but um, So we'll try to answer that the best way we can and also hat tip the softball team and the women's golf team for an outstanding weekend as well. Uh, so uh, softball, One just nothing. short, but – Nice, nice turnaround for those ladies this year. They were, they were, they were fun to watch. So let's hit our final timeout. Painted garnet and black by a couple of painters. LemmyPaintSomething.com. The Still family. They're the best painters around. If you're in Georgia or if you're in South Carolina, they are Gamecock owned and operated, and they are the best priced as well. No matter where you are within our borders, LemmyPaintSomething.com. Hat tip to our fr- friends at a couple of painters. Again, LemmyPaintSomething.com. We'll be right back. Year in the days of being back in the pool and boat are quickly approaching. Many of us don't have the time to hit the gym, but Charleston Fitness Equipment can change that for you. Outfit your home with a treadmill, elliptical, or my favorite, a home rower that allows you to row with the pros all over the world. They have free weights, home gyms, flooring, and much more that makes keeping or getting in shape much more convenient. Located in Mount Pleasant, visit charlestonfitnessequipment.com for more. Get in shape like our Gamecocks. Charleston Fitness Equipment, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Are you looking to buy a new home? Kevin O'Connell with Union Home Mortgage is a local mortgage expert and Gamecocks fan servicing North and South Carolina. Whether you're buying a home, building your dream home with new construction, or turning your equity into cash, UHM's world-class service will ensure you find the perfect mortgage to achieve your home ownership goals. Call Kevin at 803-906-0244 or visit UHM.com today. Union Home Mortgage is an equal housing lender. NMLS 2229 LONMLS 1772182. Welcome home. That's what the Gamecocks say. And so does the Barndo Company, where they can build your dream home starting as low as $160 per square foot. If you live in the Carolinas, Georgia, or Tennessee, their turnkey process takes just four to six months on average and can be custom designed by size and details. Make your dream a reality. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barn Doe Company. Gamecock. Owned and operated. What's up, Gamecock fans? This is Ethan Petrie from Land Lakes, Florida. And you are listening to the show with JB, JC, and Phil. Go Cox. Two is sent to center, and this one is going to be long gone. 
Shot the opposite field from Passes, and it's gone. 2-0. That's driven deep to left. Langford looks up, and it's gone. Welcome back, everybody, inside the Gamecocks, the show, final segment of this Monday show. Mm-hmm. Sitting here looking at all these comments that were sitting, blah, blah, blah. blah. Yeah, we didn't. <laughs> it's well, bad, you know, at the end of a season to kind of fizzle out, right? Because here's like, I mean, we think about the football season and how it ended strong, right? And then we're watching this baseball team and, you know, a couple of months ago, we're like, man, all right, book your hotel. We're all going to Nebraska. And now it's like, oh, my God. Man, you don't you ever. Know? You <laughs> yeah, don't we're ever counting do on that. Hoover and it's like now we're all sweating bullets. Yeah, I mean, you don't it's, ever yeah. do that in baseball anyways. I, you know, I've never been one of those guys. It's, you know, I remember multiple years where people wanted to fire Coach Tanner and it all worked out. It's a totally different situation. I understand that. But um, I, I'm really apprehensive to ca- talk about any changes at all until the totality of the season is complete. Um, you know, you want to talk about the background of guys. You know, if, if something were to ever happen, that's fair. Totally. Um, you know, Clint asked, what about Landon? You think he needs a higher level job or could he be a beamer like higher? I don't think that Landon needs a, there, there's this misconception out there. And I, you know, you see it from time to time that he's got to go win at some mid major school or something. That's not necessarily true. Um, it's, it's more along the lines of is he ready? He can coach baseball. Coaching baseball is coaching baseball. Like that's it. You know, you can either coach baseball or you can't coach baseball. He can coach baseball. Um, Landon can recruit. You know, is is he ready for all the extracurricular stuff that comes with that job? You know, that's a question I can't answer. I'm not going to attempt to answer. I don't know the answer. Uh, and and Coach Tanner, as well as they know each other, probably does and would um, be able to find that out even more if there were some type of scenario where where there was an open position at South Carolina and Landon was interested in that. As far as Dan McDonald, um, Dan McDonald is one of the best head coaches in college baseball, period, the end. There's... Those that want to question that don't know Jack Blank about the game of baseball. He's outstanding. Um, I personally don't believe that he has received a lot of the support he probably should receive at Louisville outside of a rolling seven-year contract. Anybody that wants to hire hire Dan McDonald, whether that be South Carolina or any other school out there, Alabama or God knows who else would like to, is going to have to pay a lot of money to do it. Um, in order to get him out of his deal. It's a rolling seven-year deal with plenty of incentive. So, um, you know, I haven't talked to Mac in a while. I know guys that have. I'll keep those conversations private. Is he, like, shopping himself? No, he's not. Um, Is there an opportunity for somebody out there to hire Dan McDonald? I'd say there's as much of an opportunity as there is to hire any other guy. If you can afford to do it, and if the timing is right. Um, He is an outstanding head baseball coach. Um, Dan has a, I believe both his son and his daughter went to the University of South Carolina as well, if I'm correct on that. No, his daughter did because I remember the story he told me a few years ago where this caravan of vehicles pulled up into his front yard. This has probably been five or six years ago he told me this story. This is a pretty funny story. If we ever have him on the air, I'll have him tell it. 
and they all had this Gamecock flags and stuff all over it, and he could not figure out what the hell was going on because it was May, and they weren't playing South Carolina in baseball, but his daughter decided to come home and was reluctant to tell him she was bringing like 10 of her sorority sisters to stay at his house that weekend for the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> so he looked out, he said, there's about 10 college girls dressed to the nines in my front yard. And I'm going, what are you doing here? <laughs> like, I got to go to the ballpark. Um, so, you know, he, he's got, and he knows Coach Tanner very well. So if that's something that ever comes up, it does. But, um, you know, he's got a lot of ties to the state, clearly playing with Tony Skoll and Chris Lamonis at the Citadel, going to the College World Series, and the whole nine yards. So there's my two cents on that. Uh, is there going to be a position over to Carolina? I I don't know. I hope not. I hope not. You shouldn't hope that there is. Like, you should hope that all of a sudden they kick it into gear and they're in Omaha. So we'll address it at the end of the year if there's anything to address. Yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting. Um, thank you for saying that, Greg. All is well with me. I'm all good. Uh, Quantrell is a good Great. question. This is good. Oh, Chris McCoy, he asked about softball and baseball recruits. Chris, I, I don't know about softball. Uh, I'll be honest. I, I watched yes. my first Gamecock softball game ever last week. I'm lucky I know the players on the team. I'm, I'll, I'll maybe try to figure something out. But that that'd be a good question for Whittle at some point. I know in baseball, they've got the kid from up in Chicago, up here in Chicago, the six seven guy, Walklaw, I think is his name. Uh, you know, is he going to come to school? Who knows? Uh, and then they're going to get in the portal again. Is their plan and um, get some more talent? And that's the thing, Louisville's baseball media. As far on the point of McDonald, they've been talking about um, how he needs to get, adapt and get in the portal a little bit. Maybe he's a little like Dabo, but their fans seem a little disgruntled. And he did make a public statement the other day, like, "I love it here, but you know, I I, I want to be in a place that's committed." Uh, Louisville just forked out a bunch of money for Jeff Brom. Their men's basketball is a disaster now, but they got Kenny Payne. So they got two quote unquote Louisville guys in those positions. They got a new AD, so. Who knows what may happen with that? Quantrell, last question. Realignment. Do you think it comes down to TV executives calling the shots? Would it make commissioners less powerful? Been reading a Good lot question. of ACC stuff. I don't think so at this point. And I think if there would be, it would be Fox, unfortunately, if you're a Disney or ESPN fan. Uh, because the Disney Corporation right now is struggling. Uh, Fox actually sold a piece of 20th Century Fox to Disney. Yeah. Uh, and they're a little leaner and meaner and uh, making the right moves and, and, and bringing NBC and CBS uh, along with them. So I don't know. I, I think TV will play a part of it, but maybe not as much as, as, as it would have a while back. T- TV money drives everything, but it, yeah. I don't know that the execs – are going to be the ones going, hey, get into this conference, get into that conference. And and, and as you can see with the Oklahoma situation, the Big 12 tried to sue ESPN for interference or whatever. And I, I think that got tossed out of court. Or, or, or they sent him a cease to desist or something. There was no proof. So, yeah, we will see. Hell of a show, and guys. Hats off to Joel as well. Great comment there. McDonald's a better man than Coach. He is. He's, he's one of the great dudes in – in sports in general, he's just, he's an outstanding human being. So, uh, totally, totally on board with that. Well done. Nice. We did All right. Monday. 
Richard. Oh, I sat it down. Dirty Myrtle until Thursday night work. The streets. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> she's seeing, wow. seeing, seeing, <laughs> she's seeing patients. So I have four right. I have children on my hands until then. That's all right. I sent uh, the three women out to the house uh, this morning, knowing that this was their last full week of either work or school. So, yeah, <laughs> they're all chomping at the bit, ready to get out of here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're. Uh, we're oh, we're talking about twenty twenty seven kids. That's what makes me feel old. That's when my eldest. My, my eldest is a 2027 kid. <laughs> oh, okay. We'll put it, Jason, plug him in there somewhere. Brandon DeCarrie Jr. is a full-time running back now. Yeah. I know Beamer said he's going to play other spots, but that's just more of a, full-time like you move Juju back. McDowell around. Yeah. yeah. Or whatever. So, yeah, Brandon, full-time. Probably I, the starter. And 76-year, I do love you. I have no idea what comments you're talking about, but I do love you. We're so happy to have you in here every single day. Hats off to you, my man. All right. Say hi. Hey. Hey. No Gamecocks? No. Okay. No. What's yucky? (laughs) What's yucky? Clemson? Yeah. (laughs) All right. For Riley and Hannah. JC and Phil. I'm JB. Uh, Brad Crawford joins us tomorrow. We'll do some in-game stuff with you while the Gamecocks are on the diamond in Hoover. Join us at 11. We'll see you then right here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show built by the Barndo Co.